What's up? This is Whitney Payton, and you're listening to Concert Crap. Hey everyone, welcome to another edition of the Concert Crap Podcast. I'm your host, producer, editor, personal chef, and tour guide, Chris Ventura. Now we're going to change things up a bit for this show and go ever so slightly off topic, but rest assured there is a musical tie-in to this. Corey, the head honcho here at Concert Crap, is a huge fan of professional wrestling, and so are Allie and Christine. They're all going to get together for a two-part segment to talk about all things professional wrestling, some of the craziest moments, their favorite wrestlers, and what it's like to attend an event. Now, I don't know much about the subject myself, but after listening to their segment, you may learn a thing or two, or it might pique your interest like it did me. It's definitely an amusing look at the subject. In this week's Country Music Minute, Sam gives us a quick review of a couple of alcoholic beverages produced by country music artists. A little later in the show, Scott is back with his 80s track of the week and a salute to the launch of MTV and its impact on artists' use of visual storytelling. And for our headliner today, we have Matt, who has an exclusive new interview with rapper, singer, and songwriter Whitney Payton. She's here to tell us all about her most recent studio album, Alpha, and how she's managed to adapt in order to stay creative and active amidst the COVID shutdown. You won't want to miss that. Up first, though, let's take that journey into the land of professional wrestling. Hey, guys, it is Allie, Corey, and Christine here from Concert Crap. We got our WWE fans going on over here. So we all just kind of want to get in a little bit, talk about WWE. I know it's or not WWE, but just wrestling as a whole. And I know it's not necessarily music related, but it is something that the three of us really do love. So we all decided to get together and talk about it. So I guess for me, I got into WWE because my dad, he kind of was involved back when it was WWF. So I just grew up watching it with him. Um, He would literally watch it religiously. So every time Raw Smackdown was on, I was by his side watching it. And at first when I was like, I was probably, I was about four when I got into it. So about 1997, I think. And I just remember watching like Eddie Guerrero, Mick Foley, Kane, The Undertaker. And I was so young, I definitely thought that Kane, if you were to remove his mask, that he really would have just a crazy burnt, destroyed face underneath that. So I was always <laughs> so terrified whenever he would wrestle. And then same with uh, The Undertaker. I really thought he was from Death Valley and would rise from the dead when he came out to wrestle. (laughs) As a kid, it's so funny watching that because you think all of it is so serious. So I was literally terrified watching it. But then the older I got, I would be like, ooh, John Cena's cute. I'm going to follow him because I like his six pack. And then uh, (laughs) once I got past that, I really just started following the storylines and just got hooked because I was kind of so far into it that there was no turning back. So how about you guys? What got you guys into wrestling as a whole? I think, hold, hold on, hold on, before before we kind of answer that, I feel like uh, the big selling point for me, well, first of all, because I, I feel like we, we're all kind of into it too, because wrestling was a was just a huge thing back in the late 90s, like early 2000s. It was just like, it was all over the place. And I think that's kind of like why I got into it. And I know that like a handful of my friends, like they were just like always talking about it at school, like the very next day, like, Oh, did you guys watch raw? Or I, at the time, I think it was, was a uh, raw is war, which I still, I prefer that name rather than just, raw. Oh, yeah. but yeah. raw is war. Everybody was watching, but I feel like enjoying wrestling, like, especially during that time, because, because I was so young, I think at the time when I started watching it, it was a 1999. So I was only 10 years old, but when I started watching it, it was just like, it was always the, it's always, I guess the facade of wrestling in general. It's like, 
is it real? Is it real? Like, how, how can you tell what is real? How can you tell what isn't real? So that at the time, too, me being so young and, you know, like, we're all young and dumb. We don't know any better. But I was always trying to wonder, like, oh, is this actually real? Like, because there was always, like, that debate amongst people, especially, like, when it was starting to get big. Like, oh, wrestling's not real. Wrestling's not real. Everyone would tell you, like, wrestling's not real. And But you can just tell, like, the way, even if it is, like, choreographed, like, you can just tell, like, oh, okay, it is real to a point you know like they still have to do these athletic things for you for your entertainment so that's why i I guess it's a big selling point for me too because you want to be engulfed in those storylines and that uh fighting or that wrestling in general so i guess that was my big selling point with like like why it became so just it, it became it became so entertaining to me and just such a thing like it's just even today, like this is what 20 years later, like I started watching it in 1999, but wrestling has been around since like, as far as like all, all of us can think back, maybe even like the early 1900s or something, but it's just a big selling point. Like you're trying to sell like what is going on in the ring. Like if you're selling a good story, then the people are going to be entertained. So I don't know how you guys feel about that as well, but that's like a big selling point for me. Like if I'm entertained enough, then it's all worth it to watch it and to just, being like I said be engulfed in these storylines and these promotions and what's going on in the ring okay so how I got into wrestling honestly it has to be because my mom and my brother and my cousins because I grew up with a family with a bunch of boys and they loved wrestling and I was the youngest one and of course they had to babysit me so every time they watched wrestling or did a uh, like a makeshift backyard show get a mattress do it in the backyard uh, wrestle like Wrestling was basically my whole life. Like, it's part of my whole life, like, to this very day. Like I was saying, I was mentioning um, how, like, I have um, family members that are are actually professional wrestlers. So it kind of just, like, stuck to me my whole life. So honestly, that's, like, how I got into it. I used to go to shows back, like, from 97. My mom says she used to take me to wrestling shows when I was a baby, which is probably why I have hearing loss. So <laughs> it, just, it just goes way back. So yeah, like my whole life, I, I don't know. I've been into wrestling. So I still love it to this very day. Um, yeah, honestly, that's it. Like, like, that's how I got into it. What would you guys say is your most like exciting or thing, maybe not most exciting thing, but thing you re- remember the most vividly from like wrestling back in the day? Mick Foley <laughs> falling off the steel cage, like on thumbtacks. I think that's definitely for me the most like memorable like part of wrestling back then. You just remember that like exact moment. Well, that that's fucking insane spot uh, in the past for those that like don't know about it. But uh, Mick Foley, this was like back when wrestling wasn't as I guess you can say quote unquote safe as it is today. But he was thro- he was thrown <laughs> off the Hell in a Cell cage. It was, I don't even know how tall the cage is, but it's definitely like at least 10 feet above the ring, but he was thrown it's like, the top. it's like 30 feet, 30 feet, like from the, from the, the top to the, to the actual ground itself. Yeah. Yeah. That's fucking insane. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He was thrown from the very top to the fucking, a table on the floor. So for those of you that don't know, like we all know it's like one of the biggest like 
moments in wrestling history because it's such an insane spot. Whenever you oh, see yeah. that cage, you know someone's getting fucked up, basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and now they obviously try to recreate it today or recreate some kind of big spot today, but it's definitely not the same as it was like during the Attitude Era. Yeah, I was about to say, it's like, I don't think it's as intense as it was back then, like with the Hardy Boys and stuff too. Like those guys, yeah. We definitely had some daredevils like back in the time, so. <laughs> So true. We're never going to get that magic back that we had in the Attitude Era for sure. But it's mm-hmm. obviously it's obviously because, you know, they're trying to keep people a little bit, quote, like I said, quote unquote, safer today. They don't want like people to get like concussed or anything or, you yeah, know, not that, but... to the head or anything, but... Yeah, because um, Dana White, because Vince McMahon and Dana White, they're also like in cahoots together and they want to make wrestling more safe. Um, just like how UFC is, like everything is also... Um, everything's like pre-planned or whatever but they're taking the same like uh, safety precautions as Dana White and with his fighters yeah of course also I kind of hate to say this but I feel like the wrestlers nowadays aren't doing as many drugs as the wrestlers back oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) they're all just cocaine (laughs) you know what I honestly I believe that that happened like after Chris Benoit not to like mention that but I feel like a lot of it has to do with that and the lawsuits that came with it and the concussions and the, the like, there's a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You can, you can definitely go into a huge rabbit hole with a lot of this stuff. That's oh, yeah. to the, the, the wrestlers <laughs> who went all out. It would take forever to talk about that. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we won't get into that. Uh, we, we, we went off to into a whole tangent, but let, let, let's go back to, uh, let's go back to the topic at hand. But uh, Ali, what was like, I guess one of your more vivid moments that you remember, like growing up with wrestling. I have two things. One of them isn't a specific moment. This is more so, Eddie Guerrero, rest in peace, my favorite wrestler, I think, all time. Uh, He would, my favorite thing to do, or that he would do, is when he would get a chair and he would bang the chair on the ring when the uh, ref wasn't looking. Mm -hmm. And then he would go down pretending that the other dude hurt him. And then he would end up winning. I always thought it was so funny. What is Eddie doing? Who knows? You know that family tradition stuff, Hola. Eddie's got his chair. This is Pinkage Eddie. This is what Eddie's all about. Well, the referee is still down. Hurts just about getting up. Uh-oh, here we go. Watch out. Oh. And Eddie just tossed the evidence to Kurt Angle. Playing hot potato. Still more because Eddie's down. And Kurt gets rid of the evidence. And Eddie's... All right, well, the referee's up. And... Hey, why is that you? Right, I loved it. And I was so young, I didn't necessarily know that he was a heel. I didn't understand that he was the bad guy. I just saw him, oh, he's going to pretend to get hurt, and now he's going to win. I like his style. That's pretty funny. So there's that. Um, Biggest moment, though, that I for sure remember was when I was at the Staples Center. I think it was Raw. I don't remember, but I think it was. And The Rock, it was his first time back from filming The Scorpion King or whatever the first movie that he did and he took a break from. So when you heard that, oh, it was just so great. You hear his music coming on. Everybody went crazy. We were all holding up signs and cheering. And you hear, do you smell what The Rock is cooking? The he you kept talking about is not stone cold, then who the hell is the 
he you were talking about. Just the whole crowd gets so pumped. It's like, <laughs> awesome. Yeah, he always, he, he always likes returning in Southern California, which I noticed, which is always kind of funny, but, you know, it's... Oh, yeah, dude. He popped up, like, um, last uh, wrestling show I was at. He It was his return. It was just, like, weird because it was his return, and he did, like, Fast and the Furious or something, and it was on Valentine's Day, I believe, and he returned to Anaheim at the Honda Center. Now it's a Honda Center. It used to be called the Earhart Pond of Anaheim back in the nineties. And, um, yeah, last time I saw him, same, same thing. It was at the Honda center. So he's and always remember, popping up in Southern California. I've only actually been to one event and Ali was at the same event, but it was the, 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 when SmackDown debuted on Fox in back in October, the rock was at that show too, but cause they were trying to like, you know, get the ratings for like the first show. But it's funny. Like we've all, we've all seen the rock in person. <laughs> <laughs> dude i cried oh i like jumped out of my seat because no one knew he was gonna be at that show i'm like oh my god <laughs> oh, i went to one event where the rock was filming that movie about page i forgot what was that movie called oh, fighting, fighting with, with family. my family yeah oh, yeah so yeah they were filming like the final wrestling scene for that but it was right after uh the raw episode had ended and the rock comes out everyone freaks out and then the rock ended up trying to facetime cm punk and <laughs> I do remember them talking about that. He didn't answer. I was so bummed, but it was just so funny the fact that he was like, "All right, screw it. We're not on TV. CM Punk, where, where you at? How you doing?" So. <laughs> Let me talk about my uh, my I guess most vivid. Yeah, that's probably the same. What about you? <laughs> um, I would say uh, my friends. This is when like I had a bunch of like grade school friends growing up, but we and we all enjoyed wrestling. One of our friends. Uh, he bought the, it was the Royal Rumble 2000. I always remember that event because the, I remember the main event, was it, I think the main event was, I don't remember if it was the Royal Rumble. It was the Royal Rumble, but going back to The Rock, The Rock did win that Royal Rumble. He was like the far, the standout for that Royal Rumble. Everybody else was just like, who is this guy? Like, they're all just tag team wrestlers anyway. No, none of them are going to win, but the Rock was the standout. I think that was the main event, but I do remember very vividly the street fight between Cactus Jack and Triple H. And this was like uh, everything leading up to the Royal Rumble. This is when I was starting to really get into wrestling. And I remember uh, Mankind, or I think it was he was uh, just doing Mick Dude Foley love. at the time. Uh, I, don't, I don't think it was Dude Love. I think it was just Mick Foley. But he challenged, uh, he challenged Triple H. And then he started saying like, oh, you're not going to face Mankind. You're going to face like Cactus Jack. I'm like, who the fuck is Cactus Jack? I was like really intrigued. Like I didn't know who Cactus Jack was at the time. But apparently like he was just this huge badass. He was just this, the more extreme hardcore uh, persona of Mick Foley too. So I was just really like pumped up to see Cactus Jack fight Triple H. And if you go back to that pay-per-view now, that pay-per-view was like, that was really enjoyable from top to bottom, minus the, uh, the whole, uh, women's, uh, bikini contest, uh, part oh, the of bra it. and panties match too? No, 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 it wasn't even a bra and panties <laughs> match. It, it was, it was a or bikini, bikini contest. match. Yeah. I don't even think they had a women's title match on the card that, <laughs> but it was terrible because I think oh, it, God. It, it was absolutely <laughs> terrible. I don't even want to get into it. You guys can, oh my God. Yeah, I'll a, Google that later. <laughs> Google it later. You'll see why. 
some someone uh, something happens. I, I won't even get into it now. But uh, <laughs> my, that aside, like the freaking the main event, the street fight, that was absolutely perfect. The whole setting of the way it looked, I always remember because I remember they were in Madison Square Garden. And if you know, like WWE, like they're all big about like putting big events and big shows in Madison Square Garden. But the whole setup of the way the actual like uh, the show looked was absolutely awesome. I remember they had like a taxi like on top of the entranceway and it was just like two folding doors that just like opened so it wasn't even like a super long ramp or anything i just remember remember the way it looked oh and if at this show too they had the uh it was the Dudleys against the Hardys in like a tag team table match. And you had to put both of your opponents through the, through the, through a table to win. And that was when uh, Jeff Hardy jumped up from the top of that uh, entrance way that I'm talking about. He did a swanton bomb right off the top. That was like that huge moment too. I remember seeing that like live for the first time. My God, that was such an insane spot. Like at the time, like I said, they can't like recreate this stuff too, because all these other teams like did it first and you're never going to forget like the first time that, that it happened. And it was like the first tag team tables match too, or I think it might've been just the first tables match in WWE, but it was just insane. The, the show was insane. I loved it from top to bottom. Like I said, minus the, the bikini contest thing, but the whole show was just really something memorable for me that I'm just never going to forget. Cactus death is a human pinpoint! I remember Mick and I both being very proud. The fact that he was happy with it, especially in the position that he was in, I was thrilled. Still to this day, one of my favorite matches of my career. We knew we killed it, and a lot of it is just finding out over the course of time whether the audience agrees with you that you've done something that stands the test of time. 20 years later, you know you accomplished something special. We both sort of earned our platform that night and took it to a different level, and I was very proud of that. Uh, the promotions that I was into in the past, besides WWE, I tried getting into WCW and ECW. I do remember watching shows. Uh, it was, what was it, Monday Nitro and Thursday Thunder for WCW, and then ECW, whenever it was on, I think, uh, TNT or TNN at the time. I tried watching it. I remember watching a couple episodes, but I don't remember anything very fondly. So I just, I only watched a couple episodes of that. It's just because WWE was king. So everything compared to WWE, at least for me, was a little bit tame. So it just looked like a little bit more, I guess you can say, quote unquote, underground to me. So it just seemed like it didn't have as much production value. It wasn't as clear. It just wasn't. I guess enough for me, I guess you can say like I started off too high and then I couldn't go back to the lower tier ones. But uh, besides those two, I do remember watching TNA very vividly in uh, I guess the mid two thousands, maybe started around 2005 up until like 2010. I do remember watching TNA pretty vividly and quite quite often so that show was really exciting and i don't know if you guys ever watched this show but it was on mtv at the time and they did only have 10 episodes but it was called wsx i don't know if anybody remembers that show who it really enjoys wrestling but you should look that up but that show i really loved that show it was only 30 minutes long and i do remember it went up against the the uh, ecw revival 
in WWE for a good while. I do remember it was on Tuesday nights. Me and my brother were watching it. It was like all these brand new wrestlers. It looked, that looked really underground and really like kind of just like DIY, but it looked really fucking awesome. And I do remember um, the very first match of this promotion. Um, Actually, uh, it was Seth Rollins was actually in this promotion as well. So that's something you guys can kind of like look back on and like look up later if you didn't know about it. But WSX, it's called Wrestling Society X. I thought it was really fucking cool, but it only lasted like, it was like technically an actual show. So it only lasted like 10 episodes and it's kind of defunct now, but I remember it was really cool, but you guys can look that up later. So what do you, what about you, Allie? Uh, What other promotions were you into besides WWE in the past? Well, first of all, thank you for that recommendation because I never knew it existed and I for sure want to look that up. But yeah, same here. <laughs> right? <laughs> um, overall, I was pretty much only WWF, WWE. Um, I did watch a little bit of WCW and ECW when that whole competition against each other was happening just because I do feel like they had more extreme matches, which... Uh, we all I feel like want to see more action than not so yeah definitely mostly just uh wwe wwf and a little bit of wcw and ecw here and there but yeah how about you christine all right so of course i watch uh ross back down wwe wf uh wcw i used to love back in the day um and what else there's also um, I watched Triple A. I don't know if you know Triple A, but it's Lucha Libre and it's Mexican wrestling from Mexico. And I was, I'm really into that. Like I used, I was talking to Corey that I used to uh, go to independent like uh, wrestling circuits in LA, and I used to go to Pro Gorilla Wrestling, and so I was really into those companies and also um, Impact. And what else did I watch? NWA, of course. And what other companies I watch? Was it, um, what's that new one? All Elite Wrestling? Yeah, AEW. Yeah, yeah. And that's the one I recently got into. So, yeah, those are definitely the companies I've been watching. And ECW, obviously, back in the day, too. So, <laughs> well, I guess what's your guys' favorite non WWE promotion, if you have any? that you've watched either currently or in the past. For me, it's probably, like I was saying, WSX. It only lasted one season, but it was really exciting. They had really insane different matches that they had. And they even had, I remember even, I think it was on the first episode, they had like, I guess you can say explosions of stuff. It it was really just interesting. It was just awesome to me. I really enjoyed it. I think my dad's going to hate me for not having an answer for this one. (laughs) (laughs) You guys, most favorite? Uh, Damn. Honestly, if we're talking about like networks, probably WCW. Really? Yeah. Like, I really enjoyed that. You know why I like WCW so much and uh, ECW is because it reminds me of that movie Ready to Rumble back in the day. So, I do remember that movie. Me I and my love brother, the Rumble. So it just reminds me of like you know, the Nitro Girls and all that stuff. So my me and my brother <laughs> always watched that movie, even at the time too. I remember it just being so bad, but because I liked wrestling so much, like I loved it because it's just so stupid and so fun. I know, I know, dude. Okay, so have you guys watched that David Arquette one? The new recently? one recently. Yeah. I haven't watched the new one yet. The whole documentary yeah, on him right now coming out. back in wrestling. wrestling. 
I am definitely interested in it. It's something we could watch later down the line, maybe. Yeah, all, okay, he does wrestle. He does wrestle yeah. um, in L.A. independently. So, yeah, Have you seen him live yet? No. <laughs> like, I have, my cousin wrestled with him and stuff, so yes. <laughs> why did I go to that show, unfortunately? <laughs> but, yeah, Ready to Rumble. A good, it's a good bad movie, <laughs> if you like wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Hey y'all, it's Sam here with your Country Music Minute. This week my friends and I decided to stay at my condo in New Hampshire, and what better way to spend our time than to taste test some alcoholic beverages owned by country artists? To start us off, we opened up a bottle of Zach Brown's Uncaged Proprietary Red Blend Wine. This wine is typically a fan favorite amongst wine lovers because of its bold, rich flavors with a strong hint of vanilla and berries. The red blend is on the dry side and is fairly acidic, and I do have to mention that you should let it oxidize for a little while before tasting in order to get the full effect of the flavors. Overall, we rated the wine a 4 out of 5. Our second tasting of the night was Kenny Chesney's very own Blue Chair Bay Banana Rum. Immediately after opening the bottle, the scent of banana filled the air. I'm not usually a big fan of banana-flavored things, but this is for sure an exception. It's like the creamy liquid version of banana pudding and tastes absolutely amazing either as a shot or mixed with whatever your heart desires. It goes down so smoothly you could easily drink the entire bottle without realizing it. Our overall rating was a 5 out of 5. That's all for this week. Be sure to tune in over the next couple of episodes as I will review more beverages by country artists. I'm Sam with your Country Music Minute. All right, so what is your favorite all-time wrestler? And what is your favorite current wrestler? Hmm. I think my favorite, well, yeah, for sure. Favorite all-time wrestler, Eddie Guerrero. Again, rest in peace. You're amazing. Um, But so currently my favorite raw wrestler, Drew McIntyre. I just, I like him. I think he has a really good work ethic and I just like him as a fighter. SmackDown, I will always go for Roman Reigns wherever he's at because one, he is a gorgeous human being. (laughs) (laughs) Two. <laughs> <laughs> I have stories to tell you about that one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm down here. Yeah, I love Roman. For NXT, it is 100% Finn Balor. And then AEW, since we're concert crap, got to do a little music in here. I'm going to go with Chris Jericho. Oh, yeah, Fozzie. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what about you, Corey? So, all time favorite wrestler. I would say it would be Kurt Angle. Anything Kurt Angle did in the past and even like more recently too, I just love him on screen. He is just, I feel like he's just so charismatic. He's just so, I guess you can just say he's easily relatable. He's, uh, he had, uh, he, uh, uh, what am I trying to say? He had amazing matches all the time. And this was when like Kurt Angle first debuted in WWE and he was just a total dick. It was just so easy to hate him. It was just so easy to hate him. Oh, and then he was a part of that Royal Rumble that I was talking about too. He fought, uh, he did an open challenge. And this was like during his whole run of like, oh yeah, I'm undefeated. I'm undefeated. I'm undefeated. You know, that's what he would always brag about. And you, you just wanted somebody to kick the, sh- the ever living shit out of him. I know, he's the and, then, exactly. yes. and then this is when, uh, this is uh, the, the Royal, Royal Rumble 2000 is when Taz debuted. This was like his open challenge, like opponent. Taz debuted, and even at the time too, I'm like, oh, who the who the hell is Taz? I didn't even know who Taz was. But even my friends, wow. like, even my friends yeah. at the time, uh, because I didn't know like about uh, ECW or WCW very much, I didn't know who the hell was in it. So I didn't even know who Taz was. But uh, when Taz debuted too, that was like a crazy moment too. That was probably like one of his. That was probably his biggest WWE moment too, like his debut in that uh, during that Royal Rumble, not the match, but the 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 event. 
but he choked out uh, he choked out Kurt Angle and he made him like go to sleep and even at the end even during the show too like Kurt Angle was like coming to like in the back and just his whole like character was just like oh my god he's like he didn't even care that he passed out he's like did it did it did, did I actually lose did I actually lose the match no I didn't lose I'm still undefeated I'm still undefeated it was just it was just so easy to hate him but he that's <laughs> he's just so likable too I, I just love him because like I said because wrestling is a facade you know you are trying to get invested in these characters and Kurt Angle made me really invested to hate him at the beginning of his career so that's why I like really like him now I I hated I hated to love him and I love to hate him you know so that's just why I enjoy Kurt Angle uh as dude I, yeah <laughs> go ahead no I was saying it's just so funny how he's so proud of everyone saying you suck now every time he comes oh, out I was like you <laughs> suck you suck. He's like, oh, hi, everybody. Like, he's, he's like, yeah, he's so he's happy so, about He's so here. into it now. I, I love it. You can tell he's just, and you can just tell he's just so elated every time he comes out and people do that to him. He fucking loves it. There's always a huge <laughs> smile on his face. He's like, this is who I am now. But I love it. <laughs> candy shop when he comes out like that. <laughs> it's awesome. I love seeing that. He just looks like the happiest person to be there. <laughs> happiest person. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, oh, yeah, does. definitely but yeah. if, but going uh back t- uh, to today uh my current raw or yeah my current favorite raw wrestler would have to be alistair black i fucking love alistair black he's just i feel like he's just such a dark brooding character and for and first of all i also love his uh <laughs> theme song too because i'm more of a rock hardcore guy and i hate very generic rock uh generic rock for your entrance theme so if it's something just like more more my music taste i fucking love you even more so i love alistair black and he's an awesome wrestler of course too so i love alistair black Uh, for SmackDown, it's definitely AJ Styles because this is also going back to me uh, watching AJ Styles in TNA. He was definitely probably one of the best TNA wrestlers of all time. So I really enjoy AJ Styles. And now that he's like a WWE guy, he's probably going to be a future WWE Hall of Famer too. I really enjoy seeing AJ Styles like each and every week. He's really easily likable and easily hateable too now that he's like a bad guy. Like, oh I mean, yeah, dude, I hate that guy. <laughs> no, I, I, I love AJ. Styles. No, anything he does, I love. Um, yeah, another guy who's easily hateable, but also very likable. This yeah. is uh, NXT uh, Adam Cole, baby, of course. So I love Adam oh, Cole. Oh yeah, he just won that one match, or he was tied recently. Valor, yeah. Yeah, we, we were just yeah. talking about that. <laughs> but I really enjoy him. And then uh, going to AEW, it's really hard not to like Orange Cassidy. I love Orange Cassidy in AEW. I didn't know a wrestler like that, like this could exist, but he exists today. He's so likable, and he's such a good fucking wrestler too. And then kind of a runner-up for AEW. Kind of, I, I was thinking about it when you were talking about like the whole rock thing with uh, Chris Jericho, but Darby Allen, I really enjoy too. He's actually like a singer in a band too. He, he sings his own theme music too. So if you hear the Darby Allen intro or uh, theme song, it's actually him and his band playing like his own theme song. So that's pretty cool. So those are going to be my top wrestlers on each show. What about you, Christine? 
Oh my god, I don't even know where to start just because like you listed everything. So let me see. Uh top favorite wrestlers. So I like Ricochet just because he's really flexible like with his moves and stuff. Like with his like wrestling moves. Uh Stuckle C Boston is definitely my all time favorite. Uh what else? I did like China. I did like some of the wrestlers like back in the day, like Lita and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see who else. Oh, so like Johnny Gargano. Mm-hmm. Who else? I think that's about it. To be honest with you. What about AEW? Also, Cody. Cody. Yeah. It's gonna yeah, yeah. I really, I really like Cody Rhodes. To be honest with you. Like I, I think he. Um, yeah, he lost a title, right? I think he lost a title recently. So. Yeah, he just lost it like two weeks ago, and he's, he's he, going to be out for a yeah. while. Yeah, and it was crazy because I actually like, met, <laughs> met Cody Rhodes and Rey Mysterio and a bunch of like uh, Jay Uso. But yeah, I met all those guys, and all those guys are like really freaking nice, dude. And I would say about Roman Reigns, like when I uh, met him, he was like, I was going to the restroom and I was coming out, and he came out at the exact same time from the men's restroom. I was like, oh crap, this guy's really tall. <laughs> 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 like, you can totally tell he was buzzed. There was an open bar and stuff at that hotel, but it's like, I was like, whoa, dude, what's up? He's like, what's up? I <laughs> swoon. <laughs> all right let's get quickly into the topic of your favorite wrestler debut it doesn't have to be just wwe or wwf it could be any wrestler any promotion what's your favorite debut christine do you want to go let's go let's go christine first on this okay (laughs) i think it's aj styles at the royal rumble i think it was 2016 just because uh I don't know. It just with AJ Styles. Like I used to love AJ Styles, and then he turned heel, and then with everything that's been going on, it made me really hate him, especially the like uh, match with uh, the Undertaker. So I don't know. I think that's my favorite debut is AJ Styles. Okay, he is actually one of the most fascinating wrestlers on the show right now. Ali. Um. So I'm gonna say this. This uh, this pair didn't last very long, but I thought they were awesome. So obnoxious, but I was all here for it. And that is Enzo Amore and Big Cass. My name is Enzo Amore, and I am a certified G and a bona fide stunt. And you can't teach that. And this right here, this is Big Cass, and he's seven foot tall, and you can't teach that. Bottle boom, realest guys in the room, how you doing? Hurry, I was much better until these two arrived. I love (laughs) their whole entrance. My name is Enzo, the whole, just you can't teach that. And... I mean, I loved it so much that I ended up naming my dog Enzo because my dog is a crazy little wow, <laughs> crazy little ball flesh. <laughs> I totally forgot about those guys, honestly. But they they were definitely like I was. De- I think everybody was into their freaking their intro. But going back to like our favorite debuts, 
Mine was Kurt Angle in TNA because that at the time was like very unexpected. I was super surprised. I remember telling my brother or it was either me telling my brother or my brother telling me, I can't remember which, but we like called each other into the room and we're like, Oh my God, Kurt Angle is in TNA. Like he just left WWE and I don't even think there was any announcement of it. Nobody knew. And even the announcers, like at the time, they didn't even know. And they were super psyched and pumped. And the crowd like went insane when Kurt Angle debuted. And I just remember him having his whole, uh, his whole series of matches against Samoa Joe in TNA at the time when he debuted. It was so insane, so unheard of at the time. I was just so excited and surprised that he was even there because, like I said, Kurt Angle was my fucking favorite wrestler. Like he still is, he still is probably my all-time favorite wrestler, but him debuting in TNA and just having all these like amazing matches with everybody there, AJ Styles, freaking Booker T was in there, Sting was in uh, TNA. The TNA during that time was just the top, top for me. I, I loved it because it was different from WWE and I just loved it. So that was definitely my favorite debut. I don't know why I just thought of this, but I miss Rikishi when he would come out and get somebody in the corner and just sit on their face. <laughs> Dude, okay, so he's a part of the Uso family in The Rock, right? Yeah, I think it's the Uso's dad, right? Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. Right? Oh my gosh, dude. It's crazy because I know... um who was it? I'm trying to think about who he's supposed to fight, Jay Uso. Roman yeah. Reigns. And Roman Reigns is part of that family too, I believe. And oh, The yeah. Rock. <laughs> they're all, they're all, they're all technically related, yeah. Yeah, I don't know which Uso. I, I can't tell the two apart. I don't know if you guys can. I cannot oh, tell dude, the two they're apart. they're the most amazing people you could ever meet. I swear, they're the nicest, like... I don't know. They're the nicest wrestlers you could ever meet on the planet is the Uso brothers. That's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> like they just be good guys. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. How do you usually, Christine? How do you usually meet these guys? If I may ask, do you do you stalk them or do you just like <laughs> do, you pay for the, do you pay for the meet and greets of them? It seems like you meet a lot of wrestlers. Okay, so okay, I'll give you the scoop. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Go on their Instagram, so, see where they're tagging their places, no, and then follow oh, no, them. No, no, that's the thing. You know, okay, so the wrestling circle talk. Okay, so even independent wrestlers are like, oh you know, WrestleMania's in town or so-and-so, and they're staying at this hotel and I have a room there. Let's all hang out. And I know so-and-so or, or they just give me the location of where they'll be at. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, let's go to, you know, the W or whatever. And then go meet them there. Like they're always like staying downtown LA somewhere. And it's crazy. Cause I met like AJ Lee. I met, uh, I met a bunch of people, like, I can't even think, Lana, like, I met a bunch of people, like, back in the day, and then, um, when I was younger, I met a couple, uh, more wrestlers, like, Jackie, uh, DX, and stuff, just because my mom used to go to the wrestling shows, like, very early, and then we'll see them, like, drive in, and then sometimes we'll stop for fans, and then talk to them, so it kind of depends, but yeah, no, someone usually in the wrestling circus tells me their location, and I'm like, all right, let's go there. <laughs> WrestleMania 2021, if it's allowed to happen, because it's supposed to be happening at the new stadium in Inglewood. It is. No all, way. Yeah, yes, it, it allows it. Was, it. That's all it was already announced, yeah. I will 100% oh, yeah. fly back for that. Oh, you just moved out of state, Ellie? 
I, on Friday, I'm going to be moving. Oh, okay. <laughs> got to come back then. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, and then Ali, you just got engaged last night too, right? Yes, I did. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> he literally killed it. I had absolutely no idea. It was, oh my God, I'm so happy still. <laughs> wait, wait, I can't hear you over the size of that. I can't hear you over the size of that ring. I, right? I'm like, why? <laughs> you did good. <laughs> well, congratulations. Thank you. And I congrats, girl. <laughs> wait, okay, so you have a ring. So you're going to get married in a wrestling ring now, right? Yeah, of course, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, could you imagine have one of the wrestlers be our like wedding officiator or whatever? <laughs> there was these YouTubers I used to watch and they were both into wrestling. There was it was it was a couple, but they were like it was about uh just comics and um it, they always did like road trips to like comic places across the country. And they would just document it. But they were both really into wrestling, too. During their wedding, uh, one of them dressed up as The Undertaker and the other one dressed up as Hulk Hogan. <laughs> they could wed each other. Oh That's how much wrestling they were. They're perfect for each other. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if they're together anymore, but <laughs> but that was just, they documented their wedding, too. It was, it was so funny to see odd. <laughs> I was sorry, Hulk Hogan and Undertaker. I don't know. The yeah. best of both worlds. Yeah, the, the guy was Hulk Hogan, and I think, too. yeah, I think the guy was Hulk Hogan, and the girl was dressed up as Undertaker. Oh my God. That's funny. So I'm, oh I'm, I'm, in, I'm into wrestling, but not that much. Oh yeah, okay. I think there's a line we can all draw. I don't know if we would go that far, but something to think about for your wedding, Natalie. Just think about who. Think there about you who, go. Think How about, your bridesmaids dress up as wrestlers. Yeah, there you oh go. Oh my goodness! All your favorite wrestlers. Who, who would you guys dress up as if it was either a guy or a girl that you would dress up as? I think. Huh. I don't have the body for it, but I would probably do because it's it's, it's easy. Is like dress up as Stone Cold. Just have his like his little vest. <laughs> put a, put on a ball cap or shave my head. A beer put on a mustache. All times. <laughs> Dude, have a beer I'm, or something. Oh my god. I would dress up oh. as an Undertaker just because I have the black clothes, and I feel like I could put that ensemble <laughs> together in my closet. You're like, I can do it today. <laughs> yeah, I, can do it right now. I have no idea who I dress up as. Something yeah. either easy or complex. I want to be cool and be like, I'd be Lita because she's badass, right? Lita, but I don't have so the tattoos. Right? She's also that. just way too cool. And if I was gonna do this, I'd have to like do something really ridiculous. True. China. <laughs> oh my god. Scare <laughs> my husband away as I walk down the aisle. <laughs> oh my god. That'd be so funny. All right, so everybody listening, let us know what wrestler you would dress up on as on your wedding day. Let us know your favorite wrestlers. Let us know <laughs> if you like wrestling wrestling in general, what's your favorite storyline going on right now? Uh, who's your favorite wrestler today, all-time wrestler, just let us know. And if you guys want to hear more segments uh, about wrestling, WWE, AEW, anything in general, and we will see you guys next time. Bye. Ciao. Bye. (laughs) Hello, everyone. This is Scott, and welcome to another episode of 80s Track of the Week. This week's song is Hungry Like the Wolf by my favorite 80s band, Duran Duran. Prior to 1981, when people wanted to listen to music, they either turned on the radio, put on an album on the record player, or slid a tape into a cassette player. This was a time before internet and streaming music, before CDs and DVDs. But on August 1st, 1981, this all changed with the launch of MTV. 
MTV changed the way people experienced music. It went from a strictly audio experience to a combined audio-visual experience. People could now listen to and watch their music 24 hours a day on MTV in the form of music videos. This was when MTV meant music TV and not reality TV. The first music video shown on MTV was Video Killed the Radio Star by Bugle, followed by videos from Pat Benatar, The Who, Phil Collins, and others. With the emergence of music videos, look and style became almost as important as the music. This made Duran Duran a perfect fit for MTV with their designer clothes, makeup, hair, and accessories. They quickly became every teenage girl's dream. I remember walking the halls of high school my senior year wearing a headband, trying to emulate the band, hoping that I would look cool and impress some girl. One of the first concerts I attended as a teen was Duran Duran, who was playing the Cobalt Arena in downtown Detroit, Michigan. Somehow I managed to luck my way into front row seats for the show. However, I quickly realized that this was probably not a good thing for the Duran Duran concert. As soon as the lights went out, chairs flew up in the air, and a mass of teenage girls rushed towards the front, putting me against the stage for the next hour and a half. It was like living through Beatlemania. Duran Duran was part of the second British invasion, along with other stylish bands which included Culture Club, Wham!, Spandau Ballet, The Human League, The Thompson Twins, among many others. The band was founded in 1979 in Birmingham, England by Nick Rhodes and John Taylor. Its members included Simon LeBon on lead vocals, Nick Rhodes on keyboards, John Taylor on bass, Andy Taylor on guitar, and Roger Taylor on drums, none of the Taylors being related. The band's first release was the self-titled album Duran Duran. It produced two hits in the UK, Planet Earth and Girls on Film, but the album received little initial airplay in the United States and the band remained relatively unknown. This all changed with the release of the band's second album, Rio. As soon as MTV executives saw the album's first video, Hungry Like the Wolf, they immediately threw it into heavy rotation on the channel. This video was different from anything else airing on TV. The typical video was usually a performance type of video consisting of a single scene with the band or artist singing. However, the video for Hungry Like the Wolf was very exotic and cinematic. It was directed by Russell Mulcahy, who directed Planet Earth and the Girls on Film videos. It was filmed in Sri Lanka and consisted of multiple scenes encompassing jungles, rivers, grass-covered plains, city streets, markets, and cafes. It won the first Grammy for Best Short Film Musical Video. The song opens with a female laugh, which is actually Nick Rhodes' girlfriend at the time, followed by a simply but catchy Andy Taylor guitar riff which repeats throughout the song. The video starts with a band on the street looking for Simon, who's getting drunk in a cafe, complete with Cobra and Snake Charmer. He's wearing sunglasses and a fedora hat, looking like a depressed Indiana Jones in the Raiders of the Lost Ark after he thinks Marion was killed. He removes the sunglasses, revealing his piercing eyes, and flips the table over to begin his hunt of a mysterious leopard woman who he first saw at a party. He starts to search in the streets of Colombo, the capital city of Sri Lanka, hurriedly working his way through a mass of people while singing the song's key lines, I'm on a hunt, I'm after you, and I'm hungry like the wolf. After not finding his prey in the streets, the search moves to the jungle where he navigates up a river in a canoe paddled by a local native. He leaves the canoe and continues his quest by foot as he walks across a rotted rope bridge almost falling to the ground below when one of the boards collapses beneath his feet. He returns to the river, this time wading through it, struggling to make it through with the water up to his chest. After emerging from the river, he lies exhausted on a rock where a native boy comes to his aid, wiping his forehead 
with a wet rag and squeezing water into his mouth. It jumps ahead, showing him back in the river again, this time submerged with his head coming out of the water, looking like Martin Sheen from Apocalypse Now preparing to kill Marlon Brando. Taking the foot again, he is seen running through the jungle, this time with his target ahead of him. He finally catches up to her wrestling with her on the ground, getting bloody fingernail scratches on his neck. He returns to the cafe where he meets up with his bandmates, joking and laughing with them about the exploits of the day. What I liked most about the video was all the imagery. You had city cafes, crowded markets, scenic rivers, mountains and plains, elephants, leopards and snakes, and other wildlife. All of these were crafted by Mulcahy into a short, action film-like video. This was like no other video I had ever seen. It was something you might see today from someone like Katy Perry or Beyonce only 38 years ago. The band released two more songs from the Rio album, Save a Prayer and Rio. Both featured videos with exotic locales similar to Hungry Like the Wolf. Save a Prayer being shot in Sri Lanka and Rio being filmed in the Caribbean with the band cruising on a yacht wearing silk suits. Duran Duran was probably the first band to use video to develop a following. Most of the videos that first played on MTV were by musical artists that were already established to some degree and who had already had a following. But most people's first exposure to Duran Duran was through their videos. When MTV became available, I hardly ever listened to the radio anymore. And why would I, when I could now watch the artists as well as hear them? That's it for this week. Thank you for listening, and I hope you'll join me again next week for another 80s track of the week. Hey guys, how's it going? It's uh, Matt from Concert Crap. I'm sitting down here with uh, Whitney Payton. How you doing, Whitney? Good. I like how you probably said the name so many times that it sounds like one word when you say it, like Concert Crap. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's, <laughs> it's awesome. It's like your own language now. You I just know, made, right? it, made it one it just, word. Yeah, after a while, it just comes so natural. But yeah, how you, yeah, it rolls off the tongue. But how you doing, Whitney? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Um, as everyone else is, I mean, definitely, uh, it's, it's a crazy time. I'm sure that you've talked about that a lot on the podcast. So it's Mm -hmm. kind of weird to interview artists right now. It's probably different than interviewing them a year ago and hopefully a year from now. (laughs) So things are crazy. Yeah, it is crazy for sure. Yeah. I would definitely say this is my first, uh, zoom interview with an artist before. So it's definitely a different take on, uh, yeah. And it's also been a good minute too, since I've seen you. I want to say the last time I've seen you was at Warp Tour in 2018. Yeah, that was awesome. When I think about how you helped me blow up the raft and do all these extra things that are just not in your job description, but suddenly became part of your resume now. It's awesome. Yeah, it was definitely a fun day spending it with you, uh, Whitney. And, uh, you know, as always, you put on a fire set. So as always, it was, uh, yeah, it was a pleasure just to help out and see you do your thing. So kind of tying to basically what you said, I wanted to ask you too, is how you personally handling the pandemic? Like what's been like your daily routine looking like? How are you still doing music during this time? Just tell us about that right now. Well, it's weird because as someone who's self-employed as an artist, my daily routine was never consistent anyway. The most consistent it would ever be is if I was on tour because you're basically, even though you're in a different city every night, you're kind of doing the same motions. You're like loading in, sound check, you know, doing the show and then on to the next uh, spot. So when I'm home, I'm kind of an introvert anyway. So it just feels like Um, in some ways I'm like, okay, as an introvert, I don't feel as affected, but of course I don't want it to come at the expense of people's lives. Like that's not what, you know, I'm saying, but, um, 
it just feels like the times that I'm not on tour, but it's very extended because usually I tour for like 10 months out of the year, usually. So this is definitely different for me, but it is giving me the opportunity to write more and kind of put more into music videos and more into my recordings, which I didn't, I couldn't do before. And I think uh, people like me who would always be on the road or even people who worked regular nine fives that they can no longer work. You kind of find other like methods of income, you know? So it's definitely being, being a creative, you have to create your income as well. It's not just the stuff, you know, it's, it's also uh, creating those streams. You know, exactly what I mean being that. No, exactly. Yeah. So. You put it so elegantly too. The creatives have to be even more creative during this time too. definitely mm-hmm. resonate with you too. Cause I'm definitely a self proclaimed introvert as well too. So it's kind of like going through this. Yeah. There are inconveniences, but at the same time, I'm just kind of doing my daily, you know, daily stuff and whatnot. Uh, but yeah, anyways, I uh, noticed that you signed to a new record label shortly before everything got shut down. I believe the uh, record label is called Sub- Suburban Noise. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, Subnoise, that's actually Cottonmouth King's record label. And it's so weird because when I was a little kid, I remember sending press kits because I started recording when I was like 15 or something. So I say little kid, I was like... 15 when I'm sending press kits um, to all the labels. And I remember Subnoise was definitely one that I was uh, sending stuff to because it was very much my vibe in the sense that there's a lot of MCs signed to that label, but they're not, they're not like hard MCs. Like a lot of these guys are stoner, chill, laid back dudes. And even though I wasn't really ever much of a stoner, it was just that whole vibe and attitude that I was like, okay, like I relate to these guys a lot and their music a lot and their, uh, and what they're saying. So it was definitely a full circle moment to, to be signed with them. And I signed for the, the one album. So alpha, which is out. And this is the first album that I've dropped that I did not tour on, but luckily it still did well, but yeah, it was, it's pretty crazy. And it's cool to be signed to a label that I've known about since I was really young. Wow, that's a real surreal moment, too, just to, like, think back and, like, you know, when you were sending out press kits when you were 15. And then also, too, I want to add, too, that's something I definitely admire about you a lot, Wit, is just your work ethic. Like, I always see you out there mm-hmm. grinding. I always see you reaching out to the fans and whatnot. That's something I definitely respect. So I wanted to put that out there while I had the opportunity. But, yeah, that must be a really surreal moment, like, as you put it, too, just to see everything just come full circle, too. That's really awesome. Yeah, it's kind of like when you actually start pursuing your dreams, you start to meet your idols and that you start working with them and you start, you know, you have songs out with people that you once just listened to or you hit or whatever. You're sharing a stage with someone who wouldn't have known you like years ago, never knew your name, knew who you were. And it's like you, it really kind of makes you feel like you you're starting to make your mark because now people uh, are hearing of you now they're fans of you it's crazy so that's just something that comes with just pursuing your dream with like a sense of urgency like that's what I always did like I pursue it like it's super urgent and yeah that's how I've always done it 
Well said. And you're such a busy individual too, but even with everything you're doing right now, you still even find time to make even more music. And when I'm, what I'm referring to specifically is your uh, second group, Keyed Up, as well. You guys, yeah. definitely, you guys have been definitely really busy. And uh, I saw the Jane Doe uh, TikTok uh, music video. Did you want to talk a little <laughs> bit about that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I kind of like did a lot of editing on that. I mean, we had, we had someone edit and then I was just like adding to it and adding to it. But it was just funny because it just embodied the whole quarantine feel because that's really our only option. Um, the other girl in the group, Gina Fritz, is located in Connecticut and I'm in Phoenix, Arizona. So um, though we've been able to make music together and record music videos before, I was supposed to fly out there and I just couldn't do it because, you know, Arizona at one point, I don't know where it stands now, but it was like the highest like COVID cases in the U S for a second there. And it's like, they were telling us if we left, we'd have to quarantine wherever we were for 14 days. And we definitely risked bringing it, you know, to anyone else. And that's not something I was trying to do. And I wasn't trying to be an inconvenience. I also wasn't trying to send a message out to fans that like, it's cool to just be going everywhere. Um, I know people got to live their lives and, and whatnot, but yeah, I mean, it's crazy because it's like that music video just is like a series of TikToks that were submitted from the fans to us, which we were going to use that anyway, like before, like all the craziness, we were going to use the TikToks anyway. And then I, when I couldn't go out there, I was like, all right, well, since we're using people's TikToks, let's just do a whole social media theme and just do like Zoom call like footage and do all these things and just do all these performance takes and, and just kind of use what's going on right now as far as people being able to relate to the zoom thing we're on zoom right now you know what i mean people I being able to mean, relate yeah. to the zoom thing. <laughs> so i think it was just relatable to a lot of people and made some people laugh and people were stoked that their tiktoks got used and it, it was just a cool way to uh unify everybody that's really awesome wit yeah i definitely was a big fan just like the uh the creativity behind it and just like bringing in your community with like not only your solo stuff but also with keyed up as well too it was just honestly a really good effort uh but between everything you got going on how do you manage your time efficiently <laughs> that's like my worst quality so i'm glad from the outside that it looks like i have everything together when over here i'm like shit like God, what am I doing next? I don't know what day it is. I don't know if I could curse on this podcast. So I'm like trying to hold it back. But um, yeah, it's like, there's always a million things going through your mind. I think I'm starting to try to get myself better at just setting reminders for myself when things are happening. I don't want to say the robot's name, but y'all know her name. If I say her name, she's going to respond to me. <laughs> um, but I use her, I use that to to remind me of stuff in this podcast it was like oh podcast in one hour or whatever um so that I'm not forgetting things because for a second there I was overloading myself and I was just like missing meetings that I had to do and it was not because I was doing it intentionally I just forgot what day it was I think everyone doesn't know what day it is or year probably uh mm -hmm. so it's important <laughs> to write yeah. ourselves reminders and try to keep our schedule because it's like, I'm not good with prioritizing either. I'll be like, oh, wait, work on this. That's like, I have to turn in tomorrow, basically, or work on this that there's no deadline for it because no one knows I'm making this song. Oh, yeah, I'm going to work on that song. Like, <laughs> I don't, <laughs> right. I mean, as a creative too, you can probably 
relate to the fact that you can't choose when you're going to be creative. Like you could sit down and schedule, I'm going to write a song between this time and this time. It just doesn't work like that. It's, um, mm -hmm. you can't really schedule your creativity. So it does get a little wild over here, but Hey, whatever, this is the life we chose and I'm, I'm stoked on it. Yeah, most definitely. I feel you on that. I definitely relate to that as well. For some weird reason, I, I've had to, uh, other people kind of relate to this as well. But my magical hour is 2am. If I'm up at that time, that's when all the creative juices flowing and just happens for that one hour there too. So just one. Up. yeah, just that one hour. So I got to capitalize on that. It happens, <laughs> you know, like you said, too. It occasionally happens throughout the day and whatnot too, but I can always count on that magical like 2 a.m. hour to like get in like a quick edit or like get everything all synced up and whatnot too. So yeah, I, definitely I think it's because the world is more still at that time. It's like, if especially if you're easily distracted, like doing stuff during the day or normal hours, people are calling you, asking you for stuff. People, you know, things are going on outside. Like it's just the world is moving crazy fast. And yeah, I think at, too it probably feels like it stops for a second yeah it really does yeah um so the last question i had for you wet is um so you know obviously with the creative juices flowing and whatnot with uh, your projects going on i'm sure you have a lot of ambitions too that you want to do um i'm sure you can't talk about everything but you know in terms of like thinking forward to the next year assuming things start opening back up what are your goals and aspirations for the coming year man that is so crazy. Uh, well, it's, it's funny because a lot of people will be like, well, what's your plan for this? I'm like, I actually don't think that far ahead and I really should. <laughs> but um, I mean, this year I, I dropped that solo record. I have the Keyed Up record coming out. We've dropped probably almost 10 music videos between Keyed Up and myself. And then next year, I'm sure, you know, if touring is happening again, that I'll be able to uh, tour tour once again. But I do want to focus on internet because that has been, you know, my weakest thing as far as content. Like usually I'm very consistent with touring, but before like music videos were so spread out and, you know, everything I was re releasing was more spread out. Or when I would make an album, I'd literally have like a week to make that album. It'd be like, okay, you're home for like a week from tour. So you have to make an album in that time. And then if you want to put one out this year and then like go on the next tour. So, <laughs> yeah. so it's kind of like, I'm used to that. And it's kind of nice to be able to, you know, most artists when they're making an album or whatever, and I don't even know if albums are going to be freaking thing anymore. It's going to be like singles or, right. or what have you, but, but most artists get to choose out of a lot of songs and decide which ones are going to make the cut for the album. When you're given very little time it's like, I better make a good song because every single one has to make the album because I don't have time to have filler tracks that just are going to get cut. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. it's kind of nice to be able to over record and then listen through and be like, okay, yeah, that's cool. But it's not really up to par with everything else and be able to kind of like either rework it or just like trash it and move to the next thing. Cause I think as an artist, that's really important too. It's not, for me, like a lot of artists, I don't know if they actually are that consistent or they just try to give off the impression that every single thing they make is awesome. Like that is just not, I think, reality. I think you just make a lot of things and then what you decide to actually put out and present 
uh, to the world. But I think it's really important to make garbage too, to be honest with you, because it's just important to like experiment and try and then decide, okay, no, I, I, I tried it, but I don't like it. I'm going to try something else. Um, so I haven't had like too much of a chance to just make stuff that I was like, okay, I'm not going to use that. I have to, I had to like use everything, you know what I mean? So I don't want to do that anymore. I want to be really picky and kind of get to the next level that way. So I just think within the next year, as long as I'm polishing my craft and getting better and better, um, and I'm just putting out content more uh, consistently, but having time to work on it and make sure it's the content I want, then I think that would help take me to the next level anyway, without having like a massive plan of taking over the world. It's just like, I'm just going to stay consistent, keep talking to the fans and they're ultimately the ones who decide because we think so much about marketing and like what we can do here and what's the algorithm and this and that. It's like, if you make something good, it's going to, people are going to share it ultimately. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Most, real. most definitely. That's something also to admire about you. You always keep it real. You're definitely, you know, down the earth. So yeah. Thanks for sharing all Thank that you. too. Appreciate yeah. it. So that no, I love following uh, you too because you have the most fire memes. <laughs> I probably steal like half of them. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> memes yeah. are like my one of my favorite things. I'm like, I wish <laughs> I'm just gonna retire as an artist and like become a meme like Instagram or something. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's that's my 2021 plans. So, like retract my entire last statement. I'm becoming a meme account. <laughs> <laughs> like who is it? What's his name? Jerry fucking uh that has the account yeah yeah you know what I'm talking about? yeah and daquan i don't want to say his, maybe i shouldn't shout out his handle because we don't want to give him any more <laughs> right more popularity than he already has but it's right, like these exactly. people that have built entire careers off of meme channels <laughs> seriously <laughs> it's crazy what a crazy time we're living in so yeah that could that concludes all the questions I had for you, but I do have a bonus round um, from past concert crab podcasts. We do a spontaneous bonus round where I'll just shoot random questions at you and then okay. you just answer whatever comes off the top of your head and we'll just have a little fun with it. You down? Okay. I'm down. Cool. Okay. Uh, favorite food. Sushi. Nice. Favorite rapper. Joiner Lucas right now. It's oh, always changing, but I like Joiner Lucas. Cool. Sounds good. Uh, favorite venue you've been to? Oh, dang. You really threw like <laughs> a tough one in there. I think the Roxy in Colorado is pretty rad because people in Colorado just turn up. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's cool. I've never been. So I'll have to check that one out. Uh, what was the last show you went to before the pandemic? I think it was my own. I performed with uh, Cottonmouth Kings and Mad Child in Las Vegas. Probably the worst place to be right before <laughs> the pandemic broke out. But literally, that was like a week before things started going haywire. It was crazy. Wow. That sounds freaking lit. That's awesome. Uh, what was the last thing you ate? Ooh, I had Eggs Benedict. Mm, nice. I feel really like cultured for that one. It could have been wrong, <laughs> but it was eggs Benedict. Right. It's like, it's like subconsciously you knew. <laughs> yeah. I was like, wait, I actually had something that wasn't like bad for, well, that bad for me, I guess. Yeah. Uh, let me see here. Uh, favorite WWE wrestler. Ooh, was the rock in the WWE? Yeah. He was in. Yeah. 
him because look at what he can who else has gone from being a wrestler to attaining that much success right yeah and being good at it like actually a good actor so yeah the rock yeah yeah good choice uh summer or fall fall nice which is funny because i live in phoenix um still fall still fall cool okay yeah, that was the last of all the questions. Those were really interesting responses, and uh, thanks for joining <laughs> Yeah, but you don't even know. You say, like, if you said winter, you live in California, right? So you don't have yeah, to dig your car out of the snow, you know? I'm from Philly originally, <laughs> so we had to, if you had to go to work, if you had a nine-to-five and had to go to work, you had to wake up, like, two hours before you want to leave because you had to. Wow heat up your car and dig it out of that's snow, freaking so. tense yeah i didn't really even think about that too so thanks for sharing that as well. yeah <laughs> i uh i've never had uh that experience before and you know yeah i'm just gatekeeping the winter struggles from you i'm like you're not allowed you can't feel any struggles from winter <laughs> <laughs> nah, yeah that's a valid question yeah so once again thanks wit for uh joining us yeah looking forward to what you're putting out uh wit has her single uh well, her, her single project album, which is called Alpha. And then she also has a Keyed Ups coming out with an album soon. Yeah, it's called Left on Red and it comes out October 16th. So it's pretty cool because the other chick in the group is a singer. So if you think a singing and rap duo would be interesting, then yeah, definitely for you. Perfect. Yeah, so check out both of those. Her handle is at Whitney Payton. She's on uh, Instagram, Twitter. Are you on uh, TikTok or Snapchat or anything like that? Yeah, all that fun stuff. TikTok, Snapchat. Um, I was going to say MySpace, Pornhub, OnlyFans. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but just if you just Google it, you'll be able to find all those things. Um, minus the OnlyFans. I, I haven't resorted to, to that yet. Uh, no shade to anyone, but maybe I should make one and just have like my mixtape on there. <laughs> Yes, do it. Do it. <laughs> like the rapper that pops up with the mix <laughs> so yeah follow whitney payton on all channels check out her music check out uh keyed up and as always check out uh concert crap we're on all the big networks we're on facebook instagram twitter and keep up with the conversation there this uh podcast will be posted on spotify so check it out share with a friend and as always thanks for listening we'll see you next time And that'll do it for this edition of the Concert Crap Podcast. If you want to reach out to us and interact with the Concert Crap community, it's easy to do. Just follow us on our Instagram, one word, Concert Crap. Don't forget to check out our website, ConcertCrap.com, for more content, including tons of original articles and photos going back several years, as well as links to all of our other social media accounts. For Ellie, Corey, Christine, Sam, Scott, Matt, and Gigi, who'll be back next week with an all-new segment, I'm Chris Ventura. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time.